Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Today on Obsessed with Design, we chat with Peru native and founder of Atelier, Andrea Orego. Andrea and I chat a little bit about what it's like to be a startup founder and how little sleep she was able to get by on during architecture school. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Andrea Orego. Okay, kids, today on Obsessed with Design, all the way from Aspen, Colorado, I'm talking with Andrea Orego, architect, founder, and CEO of Atelier. Her mission is to expand the horizon of design and make it reachable for every community in the world. And while we have chatted with founders, designers, and architects, Andrea fits at least three of these categories, and I can't wait to find out what else she's up to. So thank you for being on Obsessed with Design. Thank you, Josh. It's awesome being here. So I think maybe we were introduced just through the through our um, website. So mm-hmm. always nice to remind people to reach out or recommend people or fill out that contact form or tweet to at Obsessed Show on the Twitters and uh, maybe you could be on a future episode. So you know, I always love hearing origin stories and and I feel like we've got an interesting path here from uh, architect to startup founder. So tell us about how you found yourself in the spot or maybe start early on about how you found yourself interested in design in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So actually I come from a family of architects and builders and designers. Um, my grandpa, my dad's dad, um, is an architect and he had a really big firm in Peru in the seventies. He even got to build a lot of the airports that are currently working in, in the country. Oh, that's cool. So I, yeah, <laughs> I kind of grew up in this environment and I was always attracted to creating and, and inventing new things. And I didn't even know my family did this for a living. Like I just thought this was, it was like something that every kid grew around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I like told my mom, Hey, I want to be, the person that builds houses when, when I grew up and my mom's like, Oh, you mean like everybody else? I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) I thought this was such a unique idea. Right. (laughs) So then she told me, Oh yeah, your grandpa's an architect and your dad is a general contractor and I'm an interior designer. I'm like, Oh, I didn't realize that this was part of her family. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea what you people did here. Yeah. (laughs) So after like being older and and realized, you know, this is this is a real career. This is something that you can actually do with your life. Um, I went to architecture school and finished architecture school in Peru, and then moved to the states because my then husband is is he's from here. So we moved to the states, and I got a job in an architecture firm here in Aspen. And actually, I had been thinking of ways of coming up with my own business, but I didn't want to quite have the stereotypical architectural firm that everyone's used to, especially because um, I didn't want to kind of like not, not, not follow the footsteps of my family, but I wanted to make a name for myself with besides um, just being, you know, oh, she's another one of us. 
I, I wanted to create my own name and try to find a different way to do it. And that's kind of how this idea of Atelier started. At first, all I could think of is coming up with an e-commerce shop where I could sell furniture or decor that I would create and later on manufacture. But it was actually through working with clients one-on-one that I realized there was a complete different like approach to the relationship in between designer and and client than the one that I used to see when I was little. Because now your client doesn't come to you and ask you like, hey, what do you think would look nice for my living room? Or how do you think we should build this house? It's more like, hey, I saw this on Pinterest. Can you do it? <laughs> this is what I want. <laughs> the Pinteresting of interior design. Yeah. <laughs> So I realized, hey, I mean, clients are already doing this. They are going on on websites like House or Pinterest or Instagram. They're seeing what they want. They have 24-7 access on HGTV to projects and ideas. So it's really not so much what we can do for them, but how we can make their dreams come true. So then that's how I decided to create an, an app that will guide them through the design process so that they could see all of their ideas in real time and they didn't have to hire someone else to do, you know, a 3D model or or a sketch or whatever they needed. So I want to come back to kind of the real time aspect, but maybe uh-huh. before we get into that, you kind of alluded to this, but what were what were some of the early versions of the app or what what were some of the early concepts that you kind of burn through before getting to the real-time version? Yeah. Um, so at first, like I said, it was more a blog and an e-commerce shop. That actually never took off. I don't think I sold a single thing. I didn't even know how to reach people through websites or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But later on, when I started developing this idea, I'm like, well, maybe if I could just let them create a cube with the dimensions of their living room. They can at least have a real space with real dimensions in which they can add furniture Mm -hmm. or, you know, certain things like that. So that was the first idea. And I talked to a bunch of developers at that time. None of these design apps or services were really out there. The only few that I heard about were like house and, Laurel and Wolf, which I think it's not even a, an actual online service. It's more just a communicator in between interior designers and clients. Mm. So that was kind of like what it was starting with. And I talked to developers. I, I was trying to get a technical partner because I'm not I'm not a coder. I'm, I'm, an, ar- I'm an architect. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to get a, a technical partner to help me develop this. And no one could really see it or could see the, the vision. And then Ikea came with their app to see furniture in in real time in your space. So I'm like, well, that's one of the tools that I need for my my platform. So I can, I mean, the, the technology exists, so I just have to find the right person to work with. And after a long time of trial and error, kind of like doing this on the side and then going back to it, I finally found a, a, a partner that could help me de- develop this. And right now we're on it. We're, we're working on it and it's going to be released by the end of the summer, this summer. 
Very cool. So, um, not that you need to give away all of your secret sauce, but, um, Mm -hmm. describe kind of what the, the end experience is going to feel like, especially for those of our listeners who maybe haven't seen the, the Ikea experience or haven't heard about that. What this app is really going to do is identify first the style of the user. So it will filter out like, um, furniture, decor, the color palette options that match the style and, and um, the design that the user is trying to go for. So that's the first step. Then the app will read the dimensions of your living room, bedroom, whatever space in the house you're trying to redesign and create a blank canvas of, or, or a model, I mean. Mm-hmm. Of of the space that you're trying to to design. So does the user like put in the the uh, dimensions? So that was my first idea, but now we're using AR to do that for you. So oh, you don't have cool. to pull out. Yeah, you don't have to pull out your uh, your tape. You can just do it with your phone. Fancy. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's gonna render a, a blank canvas of your uh, living room or bedroom, whatever it is you're doing. And then you can just start adding uh, furniture, finishes, decor from real stores. So you can just go to the link and purchase everything online if you need to. And if you want, you can add your own pieces too. So you can take a picture of your couch. You probably need to enter the dimensions. Mm -hmm. That's something I haven't um, quite gotten to yet. But yeah, you'll have to enter the dimensions of your couch, take a picture of your couch, and then you can add it to your space and see how it looks with everything else that you've added in there. So if it's using AR to capture your room in the first place, then do you have to be in the room to envision um, the recommendations or does it kind of record that and then you can view it from anywhere? Yeah, it just uses the AR for the first part of it. And then you can open your thing when you're like sitting on in, in the bus or go, going to work or wherever you are and continue to play with your room and see all the options that you have. And the one thing that this app is doing that nothing else in the market is doing is it matches your options that you're adding in there to the style so that you're not just randomly adding things in there. So it looks like a professionally made or tailored to you, you know? Very cool. So is this an app designed for interior designers or for homeowners or who's, who's the, the end user here? So it's really for everybody. <laughs> so it's not for interior designers. It's for the average user um, targeting female baby boomers and female millennials, which are the two that would like to I feel like they're they would be the most adequate to use this kind of technology and and it's really as user friendly as it can be because I want them to be able to open up the app and understand immediately what they're doing and get hooked and just want to play with it all the time. Uh, that's something that the furniture stores which have their AR feature are not really doing because they're just trying to sell you the piece of furniture and but in this place, you'll get to add different pieces of furniture and play with them and change the color of the walls and change the flooring and, you know, all those things. <laughs> you know, since I'm Gen X and a guy, you know, I'm, I'm totally uh-huh. out. <laughs> they won't even <laughs> let me download it. It's just totally, 
I don't fit. No, no, absolutely. You can, everybody can download it. The The whole point was that it was as user-friendly as possible so that anybody can use it, not just people who are trained in, you know, CAD software and, and all that stuff. So I could probably guess, uh, but I'm curious what, what your thoughts are on the business model. You know, is it is it free to download or do the furniture companies pay or who who where does the revenue stream come from? So it is free to download. You can use, I would say, 60 to 70% of the features of the app for free. But for that remaining 30%, you would need to buy a subscription. Mm -hmm. And this subscription not only unlocks the the rest of the features of the app, but it also gives you access to a members-only area online where you can get a lot of tutorial videos and you'll have a forum and you'll have like constant support from... For me and, and the community so that you can share your projects and all that. So it's it's really an integrated experience for the user so that they can get extra information and, and actually accomplish a good project. You know, they're not just playing to see what it looks like, but to learn and and, and get a, a really nice looking thing at the end. And that's that's my first revenue stream. The second revenue stream is um, sponsorships from people or I mean businesses who are selling their products through the app. Mm-hmm. Will there be like a social sharing component? So can I, you know, post my, my AR room to Facebook for people to look at or give me feedback on? Yes, absolutely. So that's one thing that um, I'm making sure we have. Uh, you can share on Instagram, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter and, and you can even download a PDF of, a fl- of the floor plan of what you're doing. So you can print that out. Hmm. And if you actually finish, like, you know, purchasing everything you're adding to the space and you know where everything is located, you don't have to, like, move things around. You're like, oh, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so was it was it a jarring experience for you going from architecture to, you know, designing this app or you know, leading it as a, as a founder, like what was it, was it strange for you how different your day was or did, did, did it feel really natural? Yeah. I mean, I am an architect and I come from family of architects, but also everybody in my family has been an entrepreneur. So I've seen the hustle too. It's not just the design part of it. It's also the, the business day to day. And it was kind of hard. Uh, there was a lot I didn't know that I had to learn. I think I've been reading a book every two weeks since I came up with this idea just to figure out how to do everything or or more than that, because then I also downloaded a bunch of audiobooks so I can listen to them and, and, and get as much information as I could. Um, so, yeah, it's been definitely a learning curve, especially since I'm doing this in a foreign country. Um and and even though I know people here, once I mo- when I moved here, I didn't really know too many people. So getting to know people, networking, you know, learning all of the business side of things, it it's been hard but exciting at the same time. I mean, it's it's one of those cool, challenging things that even though they may feel like a struggle, there it's the kind of struggle that you want to, you know, do. <laughs> <laughs> So, sure. <laughs> cause, yeah, because it, it's, it's, uh, it's a growth process, I feel like. And, 
and, and it's been it's been really cool. I feel like I've learned a lot, and I'm, I'm sure I sure I'm I'm sure that there's a lot more that I need to learn, but. It's been really fun. So there was uh, another entrepreneur that I met early in my entrepreneurship career. And uh, uh-huh. he he had just recently started his business. And he said, you know, before I had my own business, I used to go home every day tired and angry. And now I just go home tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's very <laughs> Which true. I think is a great way to sum up what it's like to have your own gig most days. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a fulfilling side of it. I don't know. I think every time you're learning something, every time you feel like there's some sort of challenge, there's also a reward from it. So if if it makes you happy, then it doesn't matter if it makes you tired. <laughs> right. So maybe tell us about what a typical day or week and, and knowing that Maybe typical is a bad word, but but what does an average day or week look like for you right now as you're kind of in the throes of getting this app built? Yeah, so every day it's a little different because it feels like every day I got to do, I got to uh, address a different thing. But usually, I don't know, I, I get up, I make breakfast, I have a very long um, morning routine. I try to journal and meditate and then work out. And then I get ready. I start emailing my developer, make sure everything's going along. We have a dashboard online where I can see the process and, and, and the progress at the same time. And is your developer there locally with you or is he somewhere else? No, he's actually in Peru. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, well, right now we live in the technology t- era, so I can easily talk to him. It's like pull out my phone, send him a message. It's not a big deal. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. So I really trust what he's doing, and it's not a it's not hard for me to just kind of like check what he's doing and then move on to the next next task. What I've been working on this last couple or few weeks actually is a design guy uh, principle design principles guide and that we're going to give to our first hundred subscribers. So we're going to try to pre-sell subscriptions for this app. So this for the first hundred people that uh, buy a year subscription to the app, they'll get a free principles guide in which they'll learn all the principles of designing and even feng shui. Hmm. And they'll get, yeah. And they'll get access to the members area too, so that they can start learning everything they need and really get that kind of like community support that I'm trying to build. Uh, so that's really what's been taking most of my day. And then after I'm done with all of that work stuff, have something to eat, take the dog out, <laughs> <laughs> and then go back to the computer trying to figure out what else I need to do that I have forgotten or that I don't know. I've been put in the back burner. <laughs> so what do you do when you've got free time or are, you know, I've, I've talked to a couple of folks and actually the, the episode right before this one, we talked a lot about kind of workaholism and burnout and, mm-hmm. and what happens after that. So where do you feel like you are in that continuum? And if you've got free time, where do you spend it? I do. Um, I actually really enjoy Zumba. So dancing, it's been, (laughs) yeah, dancing has been great for me and it's a workout too. So whenever I get a chance to do a class, I'll do that. 
I don't know. I it it never really feels like burnout, but maybe because I'm still still in the early stages. But I try to be as active as I can. I try to eat healthy, eat supplements, um, go to the gym. And I really take good care of my sleep because that's something I didn't know when I was in architecture school. And I ended up sleeping like seven hours a week, which wasn't oh, healthy wow. at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after going there, I realized sleep is my most precious thing. And I make sure that I get at least seven hours of sleep every day now <laughs> instead of a week. <laughs> and <laughs> as long as I get seven hours of sleep a, a, a day, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice that's a nice switch. I yeah. come from a family that's a long line of good sleepers, so it's uh, oh good. It's always, <laughs> I haven't ever really had a choice but to get lots of rest because I just I just don't function if I'm if I'm not well rested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I can imagine in the life of launching a startup product that mm-hmm. you know not every day is. Uh, is roses. Not every day is perfect. So Mm -hmm. what do you find is kind of your go-to for either working through a problem or when you're feeling down or something's not going quite right? What, what, what do you do to kind of shake that off or how do you change your focus? In the last, I would say three years, I picked up meditation practice and this has really helped me a lot. It helps me kind of like, like step outside my own head and kind of like gain perspective on what's going on because this hap- I don't need to be meditating to realize and, and kind of like separate things and, and wait for, I don't know, the situation to cool down or I don't know, some kind of inspiration or epiphany that might come along. So whenever there's something that's not working out and that's bringing me down and I don't know, it feels like things are not working out. I just try to step out of it and wait and trust that there's going to be a something better coming along or I'll figure out something better. So <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I figure out everything so far. So I know I can come up with a solution. Just probably not right now. I need to sleep on it. So <laughs> if I can do that, then things will work out eventually. Um, sometimes it, you know, Problems are problems. They'll take longer than you want them to resolve sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I've learned that waiting a lot of times is the best answer because, I don't know, a bigger door might open later on. So I can imagine that your peers and, you know, fellow architects or, you know, friends and neighbors, when you tell them that you're doing a startup full time you know, that they have certain perceptions of what that means. So what do you think are maybe some things that people expect that they get wrong or what are some big misperceptions about what it's like to be a startup founder, especially in the early stages? I don't know. I feel like society itself and kind of like has this way of brainwashing us into believing that the only safe thing is having a nine to five. And, and, and that's going to be the, the thing to take care of you. But what, what I tell them is that mm-hmm. you can't even control what happens in that nine to five. Like you can be without a jo- job in, in a few weeks without even knowing it because something from corporate came along or I don't know, your boss is trying to retire and decided to get rid of their project. So you're done. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I feel <laughs> right. like even though a startup, especially in the early stages, is a risk and it's a struggle, at least it's something that you're doing for yourself. I mean, you are going to fail many times, but there is always a silver lining because even if you fail, at least you learn something and you can apply that learning curve to the next thing you're going for or I don't know, try to pivot. And and then that's you taking control of, of your life and your business and, and what's coming up. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it, it you have to be a certain kind of person to be okay with that. But I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of us can be that kind of person. And, and, and that's an awesome experience that everybody should try to do at least once. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, use the word pivot. So pivot, notwithstanding, uh, let's assume, you know, this is a wild success, but what do you think you would do as kind of an encore? What would be a next step or another thing that you would want to try after you launch your business? You know, I haven't thought that far into the future because I put into my uh, plans that this was going to be my thing for the next 10 years. <laughs> but you know, there's a social aspect of this this business, and I'm going to try to donate at least one percent of the revenue every year to um, NGOs that are helping build homes in in developing countries. Because I feel like that's my 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 way of giving back, especially coming from from one of those countries myself and seeing how much it's needed. So. Maybe I'll just get more into the social aspect of things and and develop my own, you know, nonprofit and see how I can help. Yeah, that's super cool. Love that idea. Thanks. Do you have any design heroes? I do. Saha Hadid is really my hero of all times. I feel like she's not just, or she was not just a great architect, but her brand just rep- represented herself so so good. I don't know because um, it was more than just the architecture that she was doing. You could recognize her anywhere. Like you can recognize her work on graphic, on on buildings, and anything else. You can point out to a building with organic shapes and and see and say, "Oh, that's probably Sahadid," and not you know, not be wrong because mm-hmm. her, her brand was so unique. And I think that's something that all of us designers kind of like strive to, to achieve, you know, like have that uniqueness to what we do that people know, not don't hire you anymore to give them what they think they want, but hire you to, you know, to put your own stamp on things. Well, I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I don't, I'm not familiar with her or her work, but maybe when I look her up, we'll, uh, I'll realize that I've, I've seen it before, but we, we will certainly yeah. link to, uh, to her stuff in the show notes. So if anybody else is in my boat and unfamiliar, you can, uh, learn something new today. Yeah. <laughs> She's a Iraqi British, um, or she was, I was, I should say, cause she passed away a couple of years ago. She's an architect. And so her architectures were focused on city buildings like aquariums and stadiums. And um, yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm, I'm excited to look her up and, and see what all 
she has done. I'm sure there's all kinds of cool stuff. Where do you go for inspiration? And I, you know, in, in your business, what's really interesting is there's kind of the interior design aspect to it, but then there's also the, the user experience and the app mm-hmm. design and the, and you know, all of the, the technical stuff around the design. So I'm, I'm kind of curious with, with such a broad set of things that you're looking for inspiration on where, where, where's kind of your go-to source. I don't know if this is a good answer, but I really like Instagram. <laughs> yeah, lately, mm-hmm. it's it's really, well, it doesn't come out of my imagination because I don't have all the answers. Um, comes out of someone else's imagination. And right now, Instagram's a great platform to discover that. And yeah, that's that's really been my go-to place lately. Also, my sister is actually a graphic designer, so I've been working with her alongside to create this brand and and really bring it to the essence that I that I want it. Very cool. Is um and where's your sister based? Uh, she's in Peru, so I, I'm the only one in my family and my friends that moved here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have to go back home and you know call the family all the time. But my sister and I are very close, so. It's it's awesome to have her help me out with this. Are your plans to um, continue to grow the company in the U.S. or do you think you'll go back to Peru after it's launched? I think it I think it will stay here in the states. I think I will stay here in the states too because even though I moved here because of my ex husband, I feel like per, like professionally I've grown a lot and have a lot going on here right now. So it's not like I really wanted to just leave everything behind and go back and do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I really like being here and, and working on my on my thing. So it's it's gonna stay here for a while. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I am curious and this could come either from your architecture background or um, your business background or the app design, the startup side. I'm curious what's either your favorite piece of advice that you have received in the past or maybe your favorite piece of advice to pass along to other designers or startup founders. I've been reading a lot and I probably have a mix of every author and, and everything I've, I've read. But one of the my favorite books that had really helped me to put everything into perspective and and come with a good strategy and a good plan for this startup was the lean business plan by Eric Rice. Mm-hmm. I know his overall message message of you know creating something just like the essence of what you want to do and testing it out and then seeing how that can become your your next big thing and to be ready to pivot like I said before. It's probably one of the best advice I could give because sometimes, especially as designers, we're so attached to our own ideas and our own vision and, and what we want to achieve that we don't see if there's really a market for it or if people are actually going to like it or if anyone else could buy into our vision. Uh, we forget about all the business side of things and we just want to make it work somehow or another. We'll put all of our chips in one basket you know so (laughs) 
So maybe being ready to test it out. So don't go for it all, all, all at once. Just try to test it and see what few of your ideas actually work. And then maybe add a few more of your ideas and see if those work. And if they don't, and that's okay, you can change them. I think that's, that's probably the best advice I can give. What do you feel like you learned through testing your app or what, what things have you found so far just in the testing process? Actually saving a lot of money. Um, mm. When I first came up with this idea, I had the app bid by um, different developers from actually many countries because I put this on Craigslist and I got millions of <laughs> answers. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> yeah. So I had people from India, from the Philippines, from France, from even here in the States, they all get in, until now I still get um, people like offering their services for developing the software. And I got bits from like $50,000 to $250,000. And it was by testing and trying to come up with a simpler version of what I wanted that I was able to way went I, I went way below all of those numbers and and found a developer that could do it for me like pretty cheaply yeah that's awesome <laughs> i won't ask you to disclose the actual startup costs but but i am curious on the financial side um mm -hmm. you know is this kind of the pocket money or is this friends and family or did you have to go out and get like legitimate investors so how how does that look so far and, and then what are your future plans for you know do you think you'll need to do a round of fundraising yeah so right now it's really coming out of savings and trying to bootstrap it as much as possible we are like i said before i'm i'm going to be pre-selling subscriptions so hopefully we'll have a, a revenue stream from that too um but we're looking into getting our, to our first round here later on this year so we can, you know, reach a lot more than what we're currently doing. And yeah, so we're, we're definitely going, going to go into rounds uh, of funding, but right now it's all out of pocket. That's, uh, that's scary stuff, but it's also cool to it know <laughs> that you don't have anybody else to answer to, that it's, you know, you can kind of make your own decisions. Yes. So far, I'm, I'm able to do that. So that's a good aspect that I keep telling myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrea, I, I find that most designers are uh, very obsessed, sometimes with multiple things. So I'm curious what you find that you are most obsessed with right now. Like I said before, I've been working on this guide to give out to my members and really it's been nothing but obsession with how I can make this site the most valuable thing ever mm -hmm. so that I, I can retain as many members as possible and so I can appeal to you know as many users as possible so that's really what I've been focusing on you know going back to the drawing board a bunch of times talking to my sister because at at first I had my branding for, for the app was completely different, probably because it started out as a blog and candle shop, <laughs> not really what it is right now. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so going back to the drawing board, rebranding, renaming, um, trying to create as much you know content of value as possible that I can give out. That's that's really been my focus lately. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like I do nothing but eat and breathe this thing. <laughs> but it's it's probably because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, still sleep a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, hey, it's been fun learning more about your your company and wish you much success with your startup. But before we let you go, let all of our listeners know where they can learn more about this and sign up and find you on the internet. Absolutely. So you can find us right now if you want to sign up to download the app. No strings attached, just to, to know about uh, the release date. Go to atelier-app.com. That is A-T-E-L-I-E-R-A-P-P.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Atelier Home App. That is Atelier Home App. Excellent. Well, I will uh, anxiously await the launch of the Atelier app and uh, we'll certainly sign up myself to get that notification. So, man, I hope this is just amazingly successful. This is a uh, a very cool idea to incorporate AR into the interior design and layout and concept. So mm-hmm. um, I hope this works really well for you. Thank you so much, Josh. I really appreciate that. And of course, thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, kids, that's show number 104, officially in the books. You can get all of today's show notes on our website at obsessedshow.com. And if you haven't already while you're there, add your email address to our newsletter so we can update you on some of my favorite new things that I'm obsessed with, as well as some of our new episodes. We've added links on the website to all the places you can find the show, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. So no matter where you find your podcast, chances are, you can listen to Obsessed with Design from there. Head over to ObsessedShow.com to find those links. While you're at it, head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review if you would. It really does help other people find the show, and we love to hear what people think of Obsessed with Design. Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Our show is always edited by Jen Eds, at the Brassy Broadcast Company. Visit BrassyBroad.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.